Every day, thousands of hackers try to steal your crypto. But Arculus uses air-gapped technology by forming a protective barrier that insulates you from hackers and secures your crypto. Order yours at GetArculus.com. You know I'm right, episode 27, right here on W Sports Radio Network. Nick Durst, joined, of course, by Joe Calabrese and Joe. We're here. We're in the, the dog days of summer, but not really good for baseball or like a weekend. And you're already seeing crazy stuff here um, where, you know, players are drop, dropping out. Uh, you know, we'll, get, we'll get into everything with the Marlins. Then you have Nick Parkakis opting back into the season, which I thought was illegal. So I don't know if there's some sort of loophole at the Braves. But the one thing we haven't seen so far, Joe, which is a little surprising, usually you see this right away. Um, you, know, you do see you do see these players wearing their sunglasses on their hats, which drives me crazy. I don't understand why they do that. They can't say, but we haven't seen anybody losing a ball in the sun yet due to their sunglasses being on their hats. And I, it just drives me crazy, Joe, that these players have to wear their sunglasses on their hats. Yeah, I know. Uh, speaking of sunglasses, uh, we have our uh, our friends out there at shopvalerio.com. Uh, this is the very first time we're ever mentioning them on the show, so give them a big shout out. Very happy about that. Uh, Shop Valerio, men's and women's lifestyle website. Uh, you want to shop for sunglasses, you want to shop for watches. You go there. I recently purchased a pair of the Martin sunglasses, uh, the light blue shade, which I recently posted on my Instagram and yesterday. Uh, so if you want, shopvalerio.com. Uh, we and me and Nick actually have our own promo codes, which is very very interesting, right? So if you use the promo code capital C, period, Joe, all capital letters, twenty five, you get twenty five percent off your next purchase at shopvalerio.com. And if you want to follow them on Instagram and give them a shout-out, it's shop, period, Valerio. Uh, They're looking for ambassadors. They're looking for people to model and promote their products. They promote you by posting your picture with your sunglasses or your watch on their Instagram page. Uh, Everything is totally legit. I recently got my sunglasses, like I said. I am very, very happy with my purchase. I think they look awesome. I think they look sleek. I think they look stylish. Very, very satisfied. Uh, Nick, you also have your own promo code, so you can tell our, our viewers, our uh, listeners, yeah. what that is. Everybody, all caps Nick D twenty five at checkout for your your percentage off. So N I C K D twenty five at checkout, and like Joe mentioned, very stylish watches and sunglasses for both male and female. And we're going to bring in our, our guest here today, Eli Fishman. Eli, of course, a great contributor with LG Sports as well. And you may have seen his YouTube channel, Talking Ball with Eli Fishman, always interviewing the top prospects. So Eli, welcome to the show. And right off the bat here, I want to know, who do you think are some of the more stylish or swagged out baseball players in the game today? First of all, thank you guys so much for having me on. Really appreciate it. You know, love talking baseball. I have to go my personal, I would say two guys who are my personal favorites. Frankie Lindor and Andrew McCutcheon. Nice. McCutcheon, you know, he's just got the style, the sunglasses, the Uncle Larry persona off the field. If you follow him on social media, you know, he's just a great dude. 
What do you What do you think, Joe? What players do you have? I mean, I really don't follow with style too much. How about um, you on Cespedes with his yellow armband? Yeah, Cespedes has been looking good, and I think he's uh, he's been wearing the mask too, uh, which is I'm sure everybody who's uh, very very conscious about wearing the mask and social distancing that uh, that probably appeals to them the most. Uh, Frankie Lindor is a very a very very good name uh, uh, for anybody who who doesn't know. I, I went back to work to. For, to baseball this week, right? So I do freelance stuff, and and I had one of the Indians games during the week, so I got to see some Frankie Lindor, which is actually really really good. But yeah, those are two great answers, and obviously I love McCutch when he was a Yankee, right? Even though if it was a brief period of time, I could totally see what Eli's saying. So yeah, I'm just you know Eli, I'm a big fan of guys who wear in high socks, armbands, and sunglasses that are on their hat on their face. What do you, what do you, what do you, what is your ideal look? For, for a baseball player or you personally when you're playing the game? Well, I'm an old-school kind of guy in terms of the looks. So on the field, you got, my, for me, I say wrist tape on both arms, no arm sleeves, and that's really just about it. Um, you know, I would say Luke Voigt has that style. Um, you know, not too fancy batting gloves. He's got the old-school sunglasses. Not too flashy now and then some wrist tape. Same thing with Jorge Posada. He he just you know looks like a classic ball player. For me, I think I if I, I me when I'm playing, I gotta have the eye black on, gotta have the high socks. Joe, batting gloves or no batting gloves? What do you think there? That's interesting. I've always been a batting gloves guy. I I, I think they, depending on the the, the brand, I do think they help. Um, but I mean, Hori Posada used to be one of those classic cases where uh, he used to, to to go step up without the the, the batter's gloves, and and this is an urban legend, uh, but I believe it has been confirmed. There were times when Posada used to urinate on his hands, or yes. like kind of do that yep. a little bit, yeah, and apparently that helped the grip on the bat. So uh, our viewers who didn't know that. Uh, when I first heard that, it was pretty outrageous, and I, I didn't believe it at first, but I do believe it has been confirmed. Uh, too, too bad there wasn't like a, a George Brett scenario with Posada where they're, like, they're <laughs> test, <laughs> testing samples. Because now, you know, cause, so for me, I, would, I, I prefer personally no batting gloves, but if it was ever raining or something, I wear batting gloves. And obviously now with COVID-19, I would say everybody should have their batting gloves. Could you imagine, Eli... In 2020, if there was a player like Posada peeing on his bat, how much trouble <laughs> that would cause right now? Yeah, I I think that that move is both disgusting and a little bit baller at the same time. Um, I think that's just overall, you know, classy baseball and interesting. But I, I just don't understand how some of the guys wear no batting gloves. I mean, for me, like, uh, you know, 50 swings in the cage before a game with no batting gloves and your hands are totally torn up. It all depends on if you have that like grip tape on, I guess. Uh, but the wooden bat's definitely definitely a lot tougher. Uh, and you know, with the way the balls are coming in, it's like it's it, it, if you get sawed off, it, it definitely hurts. But you know what? It's probably better to be sawed off than be targeted by a pitch. And that's what we saw with Joe Kelly, who targeted Alex Bregman and has been suspended for eight games and. Joe, I don't understand it. Joe Kelly wasn't even on the Dodgers when he played 
the Astros in the World Series. So why did they pick him? I guess they just think he's uh, someone who is not that important to the, their roster. They could uh, afford to lose him for eight games. All I know is that I was working the other night. Now I'm, I'm set up from home, of course. We're all working remote. And all I know is the the volume and the amount of emails that came in that night. I, I won't elaborate further, but... But it was a lot, and there was a lot of a lot of hoopla going on with that. And uh, for anybody who hasn't been on Twitter, right, there's been a lot of momentum for uh, Joe Kelly, which is kind of interesting because, not to say he used to be public enemy number one, but there was a period of time for the last couple of years where. I, I I don't know if he was really that well liked. You know, he was always that guy who showed like emotion on the mound. He was always throwing 100 miles an hour, and and now this happened. And there are people on Twitter who think he's he's a hero. You know, a lot of people want you know President Trump to pardon this guy because he got suspended eight games. Now, if you extrapolate that over a course of a 162 game season, I believe it was 22 games, right? So a lot of people are on Twitter are saying that this suspension was not fair because. The, the, the punishment didn't necessarily justify the crime. And, and I do understand the argument that throwing a baseball at somebody's head, like these these guys do have livelihoods. They have families. They have children, right? So, but yeah, no, it's 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 definitely a wild situation. And, and that was that was a very crazy the other night. Elo, what do you think? Do you think that was justified? Or do you think it's not justified just because it's Joe Kelly and it should have been someone who's on the team? And how do you feel about Dave Roberts? You know, he really didn't get much of a suspension, and it seems like he might have, may have called for the, for this to happen. I don't think in these situations that the manager would call that. Um, I think it's all in the players, and especially seeing how much the players have talked about the Astros on social media. Um, you know, we all anticipated that it was coming at some point in the season. But then the, all, the, the other thing I have to say is, I don't know if he did it intentionally because I feel like a big part of the suspension um, was them saying that he intentionally did it, and I don't think he did because one of the pitches was a curveball. Um, he was super wild the whole game, but in, in, in terms of the whole situation, I feel like somebody had to do it, and somebody, I'm sure, in the future will do it again because the players are just so angry. You know, Kelly was on that 27 Red Sox team that in the division series lost to the Astros. And he and nobody, everyone else in baseball just hates the Astros because of what they did. They potentially took millions of dollars away from Kelly in his career. I feel like you don't really think about that because, you know, if they win a World Series, it's, what, a $300,000, you know, bonus and a ring and all that. And the Astros could have potentially taken that away from Kelly and so many other players. And I understand how players are mad and I, you know, I said earlier, I'm an old school baseball guy, so I feel like a pitch in the back when you do something to really show someone up or show disrespect is is acceptable. The fact that it was up in in the head area, I didn't like, but you know, I think a pitch to the back does prove a big point and is just a big part of the culture in baseball. Yeah, it's a good point on uh, you know players potentially losing money, uh, but but Joe, what's going on with all these pitchers who are apparently trying to target batters and they just completely miss. You know, a few years ago, I was at the game, Sunday Night Baseball, Noah Syndergaard tried to hit Chase Utley, missed by a mile. He gets thrown out of the game right away. Terry Collins goes crazy. That 
video circulated on Twitter, which was amazing. Then you go back to 2002, Roger Clemens, who more so than anybody else deserves to get drilled. He finally has to step in the box against the Mets after, you know, being an absolute jerk where he hit Piazza and he threw a bat at him. I still can't believe he wasn't suspended for throwing a bat. And then Sean Estes, he misses Clemens by so much. And then later on, Clemens, of course, gives us a home run to Sean Estes as the Mets win the game. But Clemens was never hit. Utley was never hit. <laughs> I guess it's just really hard to to target somebody with, with a baseball. What do, what do you think about that situation, Joe? Well, I mean, we've seen examples where guys get clunked in the past, right? And... um See, for me personally, I like I'm kind of a, a naturally passionate and fiery person when when you get me going, right? And a lot of these guys are human, right? So uh when you get caught up in the heat and the emotions of the game, uh I really I really do think that sometimes it's just very hard to keep your your emotions to yourself. It's kind of hard to keep yourself in check. And there's also that that tribe slash team mentality, right? Like if one of your guys gets thrown at, right? Your initial reaction is tit for tat. It's eye for eye. It's you, you're going after one of my guys. I'm going to go after one of your guys, right? And I think another great example of this is the, uh, the Ozzie Gian White Sox teams. Because Ozzie Gian was a very impassioned, fiery type of manager. Uh, he, his press conferences after the games were always phenomenal to watch. Uh, he was one of those rare breed of managers that we've seen over the course of the last 20, 30 years who had no problem showing emotion, no problem showing, you know, that fiery attitude. And, and, you know, it's not just Ozzy Gian. You could even go back to Bobby Valentine. You could go back to Bobby Cox, right? Billy All Martin. Those, Billy Martin, right? Uh, like there are several examples of this that you could use, you know, throughout the, the course of the last, you know, couple of decades, right? But in terms of being able to hit somebody, I think these guys practice so much that a a significant percentage of the pitchers who do make it to the majors probably have the capabilities to hit a guy if at will if they really, really, really choose to. And, I mean, the threshold is probably a pitch. At most, it's probably going to take two pitches. So, again, when you see situations like this come up, the, like the biggest thing for all these guys is just showing restraint because at the same time, as power, like as impassioned and as passionate uh, as these guys are, you're also uh, you're the, also the faces of your team. You're the faces of Major League Baseball. You're people that kids look up to. You're you're people that other people aspire and emulate to be. Right. So there's a certain expectation of you because you're in the public eye. Right. So when you see something happen like Joe Kelly and, and obviously you saw Barstool on, on Twitter and, and all these these independent media people, these verified uh, the check marks, right? You see you saw the faces that he made as he was going to the dugout mocking Carlos Correa on the way back. Like they had a field day with this, right? So there are two ways to look at it. It's the guys who are who are okay with going tit for tat and and they, they feel like you're you know you're going after our guy, you know, it's it's perfectly okay to go after the other guy. And then you have the other the other side of the coin where a lot of people are thinking about the logistics, the optics for this very, very PR type of way to look at it. Uh, and a lot of kids, like I said, are watching. Right. So 
is that the kind of example that you want to show your kids? You know, if you if if you get mad at somebody, it's okay to hit them. It's okay to to throw a bat at them. It's okay to throw a baseball at them. You know, that's it's 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 pretty dicey overall, I think. But well, I, this... I have no I have no I have no personal opinion. I don't really really lean other way. But I do think there's a certain expectation and responsibility that comes when you're when you reach the major leagues and you are your actions speak overall for the game of baseball, for overall for Major League Baseball. So this reminds me of uh, in the World Series 2005, 15, Noah Syndergaard came up and in against Alcides Escobar. And after the game, he said about the Royals, if they have a problem with me throwing inside, they can meet me 60 feet, 6 inches away. I've got no problem with that. So, you know, Eli, Syndergaard, he's a big intimidating presence on the mound. And are there certain guys who, just because of who they are, would be more likely to get away with throwing at a batter? Or is it really just dependent on the situation where the bench is going to clear and how fiery? Because every year we usually see at least three to five benches clearing brawls. And it it really usually depends on the pitcher and, and the batter. So does that really factor into this? And also, what's your just opinion on these brawls in baseball, are they overall good for the game or not? Well, I would start by saying that I think it's completely situational. And I feel like the reason Kelly got this big of a suspension, which 22 games, or it would be in a 162-game season, eight games out of only 60, is no slap on the wrist. Like, I don't think people understand how massive a suspension that is. Um, you know, Yuli Gurriel, with his racist remarks in the playoffs a couple of years ago, got, I believe it was five games. Um, you know, Kelly, who a couple years ago threw at Tyler Austin after Austin spiked Brock Holt, he got six games and he, Austin went out, charged the mound and they thought, you know, Kelly punched him in the face and got less games than he did for taunting and, you know, making a little, little funny face. Right. Not to, not to interrupt you for a second, but that's a really good point because in this case, Joe Kelly is a repeat offender. So I do think that the people who are high up in uh, the, the executive office is uh, the executive offices probably took that into account. They said, "Listen, we, we we need to do something to make sure that nobody else takes a shot at these guys for the amount of time that we have the, to go for the rest of the season." And because Kelly had a, a previous prominent example of doing this in the past, they probably said, "Okay, let's let's put the hammer down." Again, I I don't know what the entire thought process is. But I definitely do think that that played somewhat of a role in in determining the eight games. So uh, sorry to cut you off. You like continue? You're good. I think it also is you know the, the the fact that we're in a pandemic and what happened with the Marlins outbreak and now maybe it's in the Phillies clubhouse. I think that you know MLB would go absolutely nuts if all uh, what is it 63 players that are on the field um, on the two teams come out to you know brawl and are all face to face. Um, all close together, breaking social distancing. You know, I think the main reason, not the main reason, not I don't think, the main reason that Roberts got suspended one game um, was not that he told Kelly to hit or there was any suspicion of that. I think it was the fact that he let his players come out of the dugout. Dusty Baker got fined a little bit too because they let their players break social distancing rules. And I think the fact that we're in this whole situation um, speaks a lot you know, um, in terms of the suspension and why it was so big. And, yeah, I think Major League Baseball completely just wanted to make an example out of Joe Kelly. 
they they completely laid the hammer down on him because he's got that past um, with hitting guys and as you said that persona of being a fiery electric say whatever he wants do whatever he wants retaliation kind of guy but I also want to say in terms of the brawls I feel like maybe we're looking at it a little bit too harshly because I would say it's like hockey you know it's part of the culture it's part of guys being you know professional athletes in this and at this level you know brawls and these confrontations and the emotions are so high um in a game and I don't know how fast of pitches you guys have faced but I've been pretty close to some 80 plus 85 mile per hour pitches as a high school baseball player and one inside it's scary like even just upper 70s low 80s and Kelly's was 96 right behind the head of Alex Bregman so I think maybe it was more sending a message but I do feel like brawls are part of the game and you know it's it should keep going you know it's it's baseball culture I feel like that's what has a lot of people watching it um in hockey I mean I don't think too many people complain about the fights you get in a fight you get a penalty that's it and I think that's the same thing with baseball in terms of ejections brawls in these situations yeah, I think the, I think fights are you know part of the game, and overall they help in a typical season. They help MLB because if there's a brawl, that's going to be the lead story on every sports channel and every website. It's going to be viral on social media within minutes. So overall, it helps bring eyeballs into the game, and you're always wondering, oh, what's going to happen the next time that these teams play? So, Joe, what are some of the players, or who are some of the players you would definitely personally not want to be in a brawl with, and who do you feel like other MLB players are like not going to mess with? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, for right right off the bat, I'm going to start with some Yankees. I'm going to start with Aroldis Chapman. That dude looks like you do not want to be in a bar fight with him. <laughs> uh, he's always got the the sleeves on, even into the the, the triple digit. Uh, days in the summer, right? Obviously, that keeps him nice and, and loose, but uh, he just looks very, very, very intimidating. Uh, and then other some of the, the, the big guys around the league. Uh, I'll tell you one thing. I w- Today, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. Direct TV Stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. If you want to take your vehicle's performance to new heights, you got to give it peak. Like our original equipment technology, antifreeze and coolant. Our formulas match the vehicle manufacturer's technology requirements so that we have the perfect match for every vehicle. That's one reason why Peak is among the fastest-growing brands of coolant in America. We work harder to earn the trust of people like you every day. That's Peak Performance. I would want to get in a fight with Cespedes because he would probably get hurt as I, as I, as I was fighting him. <laughs> I had to throw that in there. Uh, I wouldn't want to get into a fight with Alonzo because he'll probably... Um, if his, if your nickname is the polar bear, you know he'll he'll probably maul you, right? Because that's what bears usually do. Uh, I'm trying to I'm going around I'm trying to go around the league, uh, the, the league in my head, uh, trying to think of other other names. Um, 
I mean, I, yeah. Well, I mean, Greg we'll, Chapman we'll, is the first name that comes to mind. There's two other names I was surprised you didn't say, but we'll go to Eli on this one first before I say who I thought you were going to say. Eli? The first guy that comes to mind, I don't know why, but maybe because he's like, you know, a southern ranch kind of psycho man is Madison Bumgardner. He just seems scary. Um, let's see. I don't know. Yeah, dude, I think his... Yeah, that guy does whatever he wants. Yeah. That's what's intimidating about him. I would be I would be scared, but I have to go back to he's not present, but it, the most recent guy, I would say Pedro Martinez and all those guys, but I got to say CeCe just because he I know, you know, if you're a Yankee fan and you've seen him angry, he's, you know, one of those you don't like him when he's angry. Like he he gets he gets he puts uh, his emotions but, but out. But CC's like so he's so slow. I don't, I don't think I can. I think I get away from him. See, I'm surprised <laughs> that Joe didn't say Judge Stanton or well, Luke, Judge has he's Luke Voigt. like a big softy. Luke Voigt. Stan, Stan would be intimidating, but again, it's it, it's one of those cases where you know you might go at him, and who knows, he might like I don't know pull a hammy or something because he always seems to be hurt. I think I think Luke Voigt would, might be my answer. I just feel like he's. Uh... Yeah, I don't want. I wouldn't want to mess with Luke Voigt. <laughs> I feel like Brett Gardner's a little underrated too. He he's, he's got some muscles scrappy. for a little dude, and he's 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 a little crazy too. Yeah, yeah those scrappy. Things, you're the ones you don't want to mess with either. Yeah, Joe, you want no part of, of Jose Altuve. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to get in trouble. All right. <laughs> the other big story, uh, obviously, is the Derek Jeter-led Miami Marlins. A lot of players, a lot of coaches being tested positive for coronavirus. And I want to start with you, Joe, on this aspect where they're like, oh, they're giving Zach Britton so much credit for, and the Yankees for to, a unanimous decision to vote to go play the Orioles. Of course they want to play the Orioles. They're going to sweep, sweep their <laughs> bench their brains out. Oh, my. The Yankees are so brave for going to go play the Orioles where they're not supposed to be in Baltimore. Are you kidding me, Joe? This is the most ridiculous baseball story I've heard this season. The Yankees, give the Yankees credit for wanting to play the Baltimore Orioles. We got to show, uh, show Mad Dog that clip. That was the most Chris Russo impersonation <laughs> That we I've seen on this show, yeah, that was pretty pretty good. Of course, I mean, how many home runs did Glaber Torres hit last year in Baltimore? The Yankees went ten and zero at Camden Yards last year, and they already won their first game there this season, right? So, what is that? Eleven straight wins, if you could do math at Camden Yards. Uh, that's that's pretty impressive, all things considering. And I know the Orioles are kind of in that. Bottoming, bottoming out stage where you don't know how long it's going to take to really, really, truly start that rebuild, the retool, whatever whatever you want to call it, right? But, yeah, 100%. Why wouldn't they want to go to Baltimore and, and beat up on a team that they've already beat up on for how many years in a row now? I mean, that's 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 simple. Yeah, that's an easy, easy decision. It's it, it just, uh, it just really – it's just comical. It really is. But, that, you know, back to the Marlins. Eli, do you think that – you know, the commissioner's office here should make some sort of exception as far as, like, the whole thing with the 40-man roster and whatnot because the, the Marlins aren't going to have enough players to fail a team. So then they're going to have to bring in all these players uh, that aren't on the 40-man roster, and then you have to run the risk of kicking people off 
in order to just play a few games, and then you're going to start service time on a bunch of these like 19-year-olds who they just drafted. How would you propose to the league that they resolve that type of issue in a situation like this or another one that might come later on in the season? I think right now the problem is that there's just one outbreak team, but now that the Phillies have something, I feel like so much could get solved if both the Phillies and the Marlins quarantine or don't play games for the next 14 days or whatever it is so their guys can get ready. And so there's two opening teams in the East. So, you know, the schedule opens up and becomes better. But overall, I think the biggest problem, what MLB and the commissioner's office needs to fix right now, doesn't matter what's happening, happen, what has happened, is that players need to be quarantined when they're off the field. Rumor is this started with some Marlins players when they had an exhibition game in Atlanta, going out at night and going partying. And that cannot happen. Um, you know, I read today that Jeff Passan just said that um, teams will have a, a security officer, whatever they're calling it, at the hotels to make sure guys don't go out, which is a good step. But these guys need to be totally locked down. In the NBA, they can't have... They can't go off the premises and get DoorDash. They have specific food. You know, I've talked to a good amount of players over the past few days, past couple weeks for the YouTube channel, and I was shocked that some of the guys um, are DoorDashing twice a day for two of their meals because there's a, feels like there's a great chance that you could get COVID from something like that or even somewhere else in the hotel that's other than your floor. And the gyms in the hotels that they're using – and some stuff like that. So that's what I would say. But I would also say, you know, anybody who knows me knows I love my MLB prospects. Love prospects. Service time is an issue, but I feel like down the road they can do something to fix that situation. But there's 300 guys in the Marlins organization, Phillies organization, Yankees organization, Giants organization that have been told we need you ready to play. So there's so many options, and a lot of these guys get 100% compete at the the Major League Baseball level. Marlins have a lot of great prospects. So I don't think that's an issue in terms of the players. Um, Marlins just signed Pat Venditti, um, signed some other guys, and are making moves to try to become a competitor, also bringing some guys up. But I think the off-the-field issues is what the MLB needs to take care of. And some guys are living at home you know, with their families who aren't quarantined. So it's a big issue. Yeah, I think the 40-man roster scenario is something that they need to adjust on the fly here for this season in particular. And maybe you know the 60-man roster pool should be expanded because if you're seeing one scenario where a few guys get it, most of the team's going to get it. And it doesn't make sense, Joe, to then stop the season and do all this you know, moving people around because the Phillies clubhouse might be infected. It doesn't, it's, it, doesn't make, it doesn't make the most sense there. But to, to Eli's point... It's really important to see what these players are doing off the field. And, you know, quick aside from baseball here, Joe, a guy like Lou Williams should just be kicked out of the bubble and suspended if he's going to be going to yeah, no, the strip I, club. Yeah, I totally agree with this. Listen, we live in a very unprecedented period of time, right? We still don't know everything about this virus, right? We don't know if it trans if it transmits airborne. We don't know if, let's say... Let's say Dr. Fauci is right and you can get it, you know, just by having your eyes visibly exposed to a region or a place or a type of environment where somebody was having COVID and 
breathe out and it's still in the air and living in the air. We have no earthly idea, right? So when we have a situation where we know that the NBA and the NHL have been on top of everything, neither league has had a positive test since they decided to go into this ultra conservative, safe bubble city format to resume play and then start the playoffs from there, right? So if you have a situation where Lou Williams, right, and it's that one guy, and now all of a sudden we have a positive test, right, and we don't have all the facts, what are people going to do? They're going to say it was Lou Williams, right? Whether it was him or not, it's not really an unfair or an unjust criticism because you were the one who left the bubble and you were the one who put others at risk and you were the one where we have the story that leaked and we have the information out there uh, to, to blame you, right? So, yeah. So, you got, we got to just, we, they got to they gotta be careful. Like, they're going to have the officers I, with them now to, to monitor every situation. I also uh, I also agree with you on the 40-man idea. That should have been implemented, I think, at the start because it's going to be a significant problem for the Marlins to field the team. And if, to Eli's point, if you're quarantining for 14 days, this means that these teams are losing out on 14 days. How are you going to recover all those games in the meantime? You're going to play doubleheaders? You mean to tell me that in the month of September, every single day you play is going to be a doubleheader? That's two games a day. That's 10 to 12 games a week. That's a lot. That's really, right. really uh, I a think lot. this goes back to even more so where, you know, the, the greed with the owners where, the, you know, the season should have started earlier because then you would have had more built-in off days. You had an opportunity to make things up. Obviously, that's not going to happen. And, you know, we're seeing players getting signed now that, uh, you know, just because they need, they need bodies. So Matt Harvey, our guy, he got signed by the Royals. Why did the Mets not take a chance on him and decide to say, you know, we were good with Taylor Bachelor and Corey Oswald? I don't know. Uh, you know, we saw Yasser Puig was signed, and then he didn't get signed because he had coronavirus. So I think there's something there that he could sue over because that does not seem fair. Maybe he gets signed. But some other another point, I was like, what is the second? What, maybe somebody should look at Jose Reyes. He retires because I guess nobody was interested in him. He obviously didn't play last year. I'm a little surprised there. But Eli, what are your thoughts on on the Jose on Jose Reyes' career? Obviously, uh, very 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 good years with the Mets early on. Um, but you know, you saw you saw in 2006 him and David Wright they win the NL East. We thought, oh my gosh, they're going to be back every year. Definitely getting that World Series. Didn't happen, unfortunately. It was nice to see Reyes come back, finish his career with the Mets in 2016 and 17. Uh, but I think, you know, looking back, he wins the batting title that season. Sandy Olsen didn't trade him. He doesn't even offer him a contract. He just goes to my, he goes to the Marlins. And then for all those years, up to 2015, the Mets really struggled without having him at the top of the order and at shortstop. But, Elo, what do you, what did you think of Jose Reyes' career and how he would be remembered as a ball player? I actually just published an article about an hour ago on his retirement for Double G. But looking through his stats and everything, you know, I always remember him as, you know, a big smile guy, always, always a pleasure to watch him and so exciting. But his stats, I think it was like 2,200, uh, 2,300 something career hits, which is phenomenal, you know, considering it feels like he, he doesn't quite have the status of a lot of players with that amount of hits in their career. Um, and I honestly, unfortunately, feel like the domestic violence off the field is what really contributed to his image um, in general. But 
hopefully he gets a few Hall of Fame votes. I think he definitely will. But it's unfortunate that he's not remembered as much as he should be um, for, you know, being such a great player for the Mets. I mean, you know, I still have and play all the time MLB 2K11 because all I have is an Xbox 360. But people forget 2011, he hit like 333, led the league in triples. He's just, you know, I really, really liked him. And it's unfortunate that the domestic violence situation had to happen. Yeah, and I believe, um, I don't know if it was the first play ever, but certainly the first shortstop ever to uh, score a thousand times, have over 2,000 hits, over 350 doubles, over 100 triples, over 100 home runs, and over 700 RBIs and five, over 500 stolen bases. So, Joe, definitely some big some big numbers there, don't you think? Yeah, I always like Reyes as a player, and I mean, listen, we, uh, you're a Mets fan. I'm a Yankees fan. We take like little, uh, like pot shots, like little sibling like shots at each other, right? You know, your Jeter quirps, and I, and I like to throw a couple Mets out every now and then. Uh, but I would, what I will say is that David Wright and Jose Reyes and a lot of the guys on that 2016, like Beltran and Delgado. Oh, what a really, team. Really, Cliff Floyd and DeChavez. That was the Cliff, team. That yeah, was the Mets' best yeah. team. Those those two teams in 06 and 07, that team that just kind of fell apart at the end, they uh, more so, I mean, it's, again, with the domestic stuff, it's it's definitely, it's a line you don't want to teeter, right? But I do think that everybody deserves an opportunity to make the situation right. I think everybody deserves the opportunity to make amends for themselves, uh, to redeem themselves, and I do think that in the, the in the public sphere, sometimes we get on these guys a little bit too much. You don't know what happens, right? And we saw this recently with Domingo Herman, the Yankees, and a lot of Yankee fans still aren't really too on board with him. Uh, he's looking to get his, his life back on track. So in that sense, right, all well, that did stuff is it, it Chap- Didn't Aralus Chapman, like, fire I was, a gun? I was, yeah, absolutely. He barely got a slap on the wrist, essentially. He did, and uh, I was I was actually gonna bring that up, so it was a good thing you uh, you brought that up right before I did. So yeah, so you brought up Chapman. Don't have to bring that up. The point being is that I think that at some point, if you work hard enough to make amends for that situation and to become a better person and a better a better man, better woman, right? Whatever the case is, in this in this case, I definitely do think that Ray is probably. Came, like he's probably gotten to that point, so we can look back on his career a little more, a little more in that positive, that positive lens, that positive uh, attitude. And yeah, so David Wright and Jose Reyes in particular, those Mets teams, those two guys in particular on those 06 and 07 Mets teams, they did deserve a little better. It would have been nice to see them to 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 break through, but he had a really really good career. Obviously, he's not going to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, there were a lot of shortstops who played during his time who were arguably better than him. Uh, Jimmy Rollins, uh, right off the top of my head, he won the the NL MVP in, in 07, right? Uh, a lot of guys who were in his own division who were either right on par with him as a player or better than him. But but he was absolutely one of the better shortstops for his time, for his prime years. He was a very good player. And it, for Mets fans, obviously, you guys are sad to, to see him go because he treated, he gave you some really good years. Yep, certainly uh, one of my my favorite Mets in the early and mid two thousands. But 
you know, hopefully there's more Jose Reyes type guys in the system. You know, we see we start Andre Jimenez. He's come up now. He's such a great defensive replacement for Cano. He gets a start. He gets a triple. I say you just you know bench Cano, let him play. You got Ronnie Mauricio, who is going to be the top prospect for the Mets. But Eli, you you've interviewed a lot of prospects, both for the Mets and other teams. What prospects? Other than, you know, like the big names we definitely know about nationwide, are you looking most forward to? And who are some of your, your favorite interviews that you've done? Uh, I myself used to work with the Brooklyn Cyclones, so, you know, one of the cool interviews I did when I was there was with P.J. Conlon, who was on the team, who ends up being the first Irish-born pitcher in the in the major leagues, and I got to interview him when he was in the New York Penn League rookie ball single A. So who are some of your, your favorite interviews you've done, and what players should we be looking out for? The favorite interviews one is always such a hard one, because I've actually done over 500 interviews, because wow. I try to do one or two every week for my YouTube channel for the last five years, and then also for Double G Sports, I've done a ton. So it's hard to say the favorite, but I'm probably going to have to go with some of the guys when I was much younger. Shane McCarthy, uh, who's currently with the Indians organization. I got started at Seton Hall University. Um, he was always a good one. Uh, let's see. Julio Bourbon with a longtime uh, Texas Ranger uh, when he was with the Somerset Patriots. Joe Quinones, a former guest on our show. Quinones. Oh, you, you interviewed Alonzo. I interviewed Alonzo. Dude, I could list so wow. many. Wow. How'd, how'd you get in contact with Alonzo? Well, I would actually go to Florida every year nice. uh, and cover some Florida State League and GCL games. So the 2017 Florida State League, I met Vladimir Guerrero, couldn't find a translator, which absolutely sucked. Ah. Um, interviewed Bo Bichette, Kevin Biggio, um, let's see, Jordan Groshans, met Nate Pearson, uh, Pete Alonzo, Jeff McNeil, I'm trying to think. Uh, David Peterson. Mm-hmm. These, are some, these are some awesome guys, Joe. I mean, do you hear this list? This is incredible. That's a really good list, actually. So, Eli, where can everybody find uh, your interviews if they wanted to go check them out? So the YouTube channel is Talking Ball with Eli Fishman. Um, trying to do weekly interviews. Last night, talked with Hobie Harris, Blue Jays prospect who throws 100 miles per hour. Um, got some Somerset Patriots interviews coming soon. And then I always say follow me on Twitter and Instagram. They're both Eli J. Fishman because that's where I'm the most active. But going back to your other question about the prospects, um, I think two guys. First is Bo Bichette. Not really a prospect anymore but this is because technically this is a rookie season. But Bo Bichette and Wander Franco, two middle infielders who are just about as consistent as as it gets. I think Bobachet might be my MVP pick for the AL because he's just wow. so, so consistent. Um, I, I watched both Franco and Bichette uh, for a couple series and just every game, at least one or two hits. Other way, line drives, line drives up the middle. Both run the bases great. And Wander Franco defensively is, is as good as it gets. Same thing with Bichette. So Eli... This was really, really, really fun interview to do. We're going to have you on again. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, so for our listeners, everybody knows this. Nick and I always give the last words to our guests, right? So you have the platform. You have the floor. Whatever you want to say, however else you want to promote yourself, go right ahead. 
This was a lot of fun to do. Thanks again for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Of course. Thank you guys so much. Ooh, last words. Put me on the spot. Um, no, no pressure. You can't go wrong with Let's Go Mets. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, I've, I've grown up a Yankees fan, but now I've, I've developed into an overall MLB fan seeing all the teams and uh, all their farm systems. Um, I would say, I don't know. I'll, I'll give you my World Series picks, Dodgers and Rays. Nice. Like I love the Rays wow. pick. I'd like the Rays are yeah, definitely going to the World Series. Yeah, definitely. Uh, no, it's it's not a terrible pick. I see a lot of people just are picking the Dodgers. Nobody's giving the, the Braves a chance. Nobody's giving the Mets a chance. Nobody's giving the Cardinals a chance. Nobody's giving other teams like the Reds a chance. I, like, I think the Reds look pretty good to start the season. So. We All right, I'm sorry. Stop. So we, much. Sh- we shall see. Yeah, it's every it's sixty games, anybody's game. All it takes is a uh, Oakland A's twenty game streak out of nowhere, and you're in the playoffs. And especially with the expanded playoffs now. Yes, very good point. All right, that's gonna do it for this edition of the You Know Right podcast on W Sports. For our special guest Eli Fishman, for Joe Calabrese, I'm Nick Durst, and this has been You Know I'm Right. Every day, thousands of hackers try to steal your crypto. But Arculus uses air-gapped technology by forming a protective barrier that insulates you from hackers and secures your crypto. Order yours at GetArculus.com.